Welcome back to season six of Flop Stars, the podcast where we celebrate albums that are close to our hearts but may not have shot right up the charts. This week we have a Flop Stars debut in Casey Musgraves. Her album Golden Hour won the Grammy for Album of the Year and crossed her over into a whole bunch of new fans, but it didn't necessarily sell big numbers. I have Nick Kelly here with me, my Yeehaw co-host, to discuss Casey for the day. Giddy up! Giddy up, baby! Let's talk about this. It's so funny that everybody goes for country like sayings with Casey because she's probably the least country country artist of all time. Exactly. (laughs) It's so much more on the pop side of things. But obviously, as every great kind of artist who grew up around country and then sort of transitioned over to the pop side... Once you're country, you never go back. You've always got some of that in your roots and you've always got some of that in your approach and your way of building a community around you and a fan base. And I think Casey's done a really nice job of straddling the line very nicely, like you would straddle a horse. (laughs) What a great start. What was your first experiences with Golden Hour? Did you know much about Casey Musgraves before Golden Hour? Do you know much about Casey Musgraves now? High Horse was my introduction to Casey overall. And I'd heard the name a lot, but I had not paid any attention to it because I think at the time that this came out, I was very early into understanding just the size of country music and the breadth of what it can sound like, look like and feel like. And my understanding since this album came out, I think this really really lit something in me because I had been around country music and like, you know, I grew up with my mum, like a mega Keith Urban fan, for example, and I've been to (laughs) Keith Urban shows. My brother plays guitar at like little sort of farm-based country music events every now and then, and it has a real penchant for Johnny Cash and the like. And, you know, it's it's been around my life. Honestly, he's the opposite of me. He is the dead opposite. We've got the same hair, but he's the dead opposite of me (laughs) in every other way. He started to come around to my music a little bit lately and, and me to his, but, yeah, he's a, he's a cowboy. Surely he'd like a bit of Casey if he's a Johnny Cash fan. He does like Casey, which is very lucky. He gets it. He gets it with Casey. Yeah. Um, but but I, it, it's really funny. This probably did set a nice fork in the road for me, understanding just what country music can sound and feel like. And for me, this was the the, the camp, you know, we, we came off our Mika episode last week and this was, I suppose, the, the country music that was camp enough and glittery enough for me to want to lean into it and understand it more and be a yeah. part of it. And High Horse started that, which is arguably the poppiest song on the record. And then, you know, I dug into the rest and just the storytelling is, is absolutely phenomenal. I'm so lucky to have interviewed Casey before as well, um, before her show in Sydney. And it was one of the most joyous chats I've ever had with an artist who just understands herself and knows what this music is yeah. about and puts such intricacy into the way that she makes it. So, yeah, it's uh, my, my opinions on what country can be and what that label means have been so shifted ever since I heard this record. Yeah. It's such a, it is a pivot point for a lot of people with country music because it explores it in such a different way. And I think obviously like country music, um, particularly in the time that this record was released when it's so often tied to the Republican agenda here in the U S um, that people in Australia who are liberal-leaning 
don't often associate with it or try to understand it. And I think that blanket umbrella over it really hurts the genre because over the past 10 years, there's been a plethora of incredible um, country artists who don't fit that brief at all. Casey being one of them, Marin Morris yep. being a lot of uh, another one that has been amazing over the past few years and, and Brandy Carlisle as well. Um, so there's so many, and I think Casey just opened a door with this record. She had been prior to this, a real advocate for the LGBTQ plus community and also shunning the ideologies that country music had grown up with. And that caused a lot of fuss. She was getting no country airplay, nothing. And yet she's still releasing a a country record in this time and, and forging forward with it, knowing that so many communities are blocking her out. And at this point she hadn't really been accepted by the queer community or the pop community or anything and then this record just changed it all and rightfully so the kind of songwriting that could be done in any genre and cut through like you could literally produce these songs in any way and they would cut through like there is such the songwriting is so strong um you raise a really interesting point and i think there is so much of a political conversation to be had around this type of music. And and I promise I'm not going to make this, and I spoke to this person, but um, I spoke to Ingrid Andrus a few months ago on an interview that will never be published because it was on the laptop that I spilled a beer on. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so that interview is gone. Up in heaven with no my Duran Duran interview. <laughs> oh, my God! What happened? Okay, tell me that story. Give me that story. I just didn't record it. No. <laughs> Duran Duran, one of the biggest interviews of all time that I've ever done, and just didn't record it. So that's RIP. astonishing. <laughs> Did um have I ever told you my Cedric Gervais story? No. So Cedric Gervais, who was the guy that remixed Lana Del Rey's uh, "Summertime Sadness," and there was another song he remixed, and they became Australian commercial radio semi hits. Yeah. Um. I forgot that I'd agreed. I was this. I was like eighteen at this point, living at home with my mum, dad, and my nan, and yeah. I'd forgotten that I'd organised an interview to be phoned through to the home phone at about six o'clock at night. And nan's <laughs> sitting there watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and so nan answers the phone, and it's the popular <laughs> DJ Cedric Gervais calling from the Netherlands. And oh a couple of days prior. Mum had bought a new home phone that didn't have a speaker option on it, so I couldn't record the conversation. And I realised this about a minute into the conversation, and I just decided there and then this was never going to be published, and I was just going to have a chat on the home phone with Cedric Gervais instead, and then just put the phone down and put it up to experience. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. Nathan goes, there's Did some, he get to chat with some man dad? calling from another country. <laughs> Like, yeah, he had a good chat with my nan. He chatted so my nan for like two minutes while she ascertained what he was calling about because she couldn't hear. Oh, dear. And no, like, PR people or anything, just straight through your nan and Cedric. Just straight through. Yeah, it's, this was one of those rare interviews when people didn't know how to set up virtual conferencing at some point. That is um, so good. Where, <laughs> it's the funniest shit ever. It's almost That's as like good as yesterday. And oh, sorry, you go. No, you, no, you go, you go. I was going to say, it's almost as good as when I forgot to set my alarm for my interview with David Getter and instead woke up in a haze, rolled over, picked up the phone. Hello, this is David. 
<laughs> I was oh like, who? <laughs> Sexy bitch hit maker. <laughs> I'm here. Um, <laughs> nothing but the beat hit maker. You can hear that episode back in the feed. I will get back on track in a second with what I was saying, but I have to tell you a story from yesterday um, involving my nan. I have had in my head for the last two weeks that it's my brother's birthday yesterday. So I went, yeah. I organised that I would go and visit nan on my brother's birthday to get a video with her wishing him a happy birthday to send to him because he's living yeah. in the UK at the moment. So I got the video and then I called mum yesterday afternoon and said, I've got, I've got a video of Nan wishing him a happy birthday. Mum goes, what are, you, what are you talking about? I go, for, Tom, for, for Tom's birthday. She goes, when do you think Tom's birthday is? And I realised his birthday was the 22nd of September and we celebrated it two months ago. Uh, and so I've, rec- I've gone to all this effort and I've ordered him something and I've got uh, this video with Nan wishing him a happy 23rd birthday and she, even she, losing her marbles, goes, is it his birthday? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's his birthday. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Oh my God, you <laughs> gaslit the poor woman. She's already I, I trying to make her. sense of reality. I know. <laughs> there was already like about 60% reality going on in that conversation. And then all of a sudden I've told her it's someone's birthday that it was two months ago. Oh, anyway, <laughs> back to where anyway, we were. We're currently talking about an album called Golden Hour, which you may have forgotten given that yes. little side note. The point I was um, going to make was Ingrid, Andrus, and I had a conversation oh my about God, I the politis. I was amazed <laughs> I got back to that point. We had a conversation about the politicization of country music and how the rusted-on country fans from the redneck states do not understand anything that is not pure country, and that it has almost taken this mass of people like Casey, like Ingrid, like Marin, and like Breland, who is a really important voice to be talking about in this conversation as well, to come through and break down the boundaries of what country music sounds like, looks like, and feels like, not to quote the five seconds of summer album from 2012, sounds like, looks like, feels like. Um, Oh no, it's just called sounds like, feels like that one. But it's taken almost this this like army of people to push forward and go, we are here. You're gonna, we're going to be a part of this conversation, whether you like it or not, to almost build this sort of like harmony amongst it. And it's been a really tough thing for them to do. But Casey is probably the most integral to that conversation, without a doubt. Yeah. And this was the album that started it. Well, at the end of the day, country music comes down to honest na- narrative-based songwriting. So mm. there's no conversation in which this album does not exist as a country album. It is, through and through. There's definitely elements of pop. There's elements of all sorts of things. And I think her um, mood board for this album is really interesting. She had, like, Bee Gees and Daft Punk on there. And she wanted (laughs) to know what that sounded like when it came together with country music. She was also experimenting with a little bit of LSD, which I think helps when you're talking about disco music and um, French electronic music. But it all comes together in this beautiful package to make this crisp, beautiful country sound where I think is just the best representation of Casey's personality. Because I'd listened to her records beforehand And they're great. She's a great songwriter no matter what. But this one really made sense and it screamed Casey in it. And there was something so individual about it like nobody else could have made this record. And it's just a very sonically interesting album as well. And I think those influences make so much sense and that mood board makes so much sense. There's such an element of groove 
through this record the whole way. Mm. Even the slower songs that don't necessarily have, you know, a, a, a bass line or a, or a drum or anything still have a groove to them. Even a song like Slow Burn has a sort of consistent groove and, and plotting kind of feel to it. And I, I think that's the kind of thing that she gets from those acts like the Bee Gees and, and particularly the Daft Punk Random Access Memories album, which was, was much more on that funk sort of tip. Um, which would very much influence the feel of this. And it all feels like a bit spacey and yeah. intergalactic and out of this world. And I, I love that feeling. Even even to the point, I know it's not about a space, it's not, Space Cowboy is not actually about a space cowboy. It's about giving me space or yeah. um, giving him the space, but still just that like feeling of that sort of like out of this world cosmic sort of energy, almost that Jamiroquai feeling um, is a really unique thing to add to country music i think but don't you think yeah it's so cool to hear that kind of sound which is so unhuman in a way paired with this songwriting that is so present and so human i know that like she was experimenting with psychedelics to get to the heart of the matter on this album but the way she writes it is just so direct and to the point and you could throw criticisms at this album for being too simple or like too baseline in terms of the songwriting. But I think that's what makes it because so often when being an artist, you coat things in metaphor and you try to deliver them in tricky ways and try to think outside the box. But sometimes all you need to do is like observe what's around you and give it straight. And that's exactly what this album does it does it at so many points so beautifully i mean the the opening line of born in a hurry always late haven't been early since 88 it's just brilliant like she was literally born early as a child and she weaves this into this like line about her own kind of tardiness at this point in her life and and songs like oh what a world too where she literally just takes in the beauty of the surrounds and i think people say so often that your best music isn't written when you're happy. And I think it's because people have this kind of preconception that they need to dig a little deeper and they need to find what's troubling at that point. Whereas Casey just sat in it for this album. And I think it's, it turns out to be such a beautiful thing. Yep. I I couldn't agree more. I think that's an absolutely perfect summary um, of just, everything about this album um yeah beautiful i actually have nothing to say (laughs) (laughs) i want to know like when was your first kind of interaction with it and when did you first come around to golden hour immediately and that's the thing it wasn't a creep it wasn't this one wasn't a a creeper for me this was an immediate kind of connection that I felt. And as I said, the gateway was, was high horse, but the rest of it, like I just understood the storytelling straight away. And it was that kind of, and it was the kind of music that I just wanted to kind of almost deep dive on immediately and just work out more about how this all came together and, and who this artist was. And I remember listening to, have you listened to the Song Exploder? I think it's Song Exploder, one of them. Song Exploder or one of the other ones. Or Switched on Pop, it might be. About butterflies about, and the yeah. musicology of butterflies yeah. and how... The melody literally builds like a butterfly coming out. It like it's it yeah. like it's just the most fascinating story as to how 
it's actually written and the intricacies in every single one of these songs are, are just so special. And, and then the way it all comes together and, you know, those, those more lullaby style moments like mother, I think it all just makes so much sense in one go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to, I reckon let's, let's play a game and then let's come back and we'll talk a bit more about the subject matter and how that subject matter aged with the breakup of her marriage. After <laughs> yes. <the album>. <laughs> <laughs> Flop stars. All right, so this is um, Casey's Golden Hour was a real long shot to win Grammy's Album of the Year, the year that it did, um, yeah. as I think all winners of Album of the Year are, generally. <laughs> but, um, so I thought what we'd do is we'll put up songs from this album, Golden Hour, against songs from previous Album of the Year winners at the Grammys. And I love it's, this. It's quite a good lineup, I think, when you look at these songs and they kind of make sense with Golden Hour in a strange way. So the first one I'm going to do is Rainbow, the closer of the album. Versus When We Were Young by Adele of 25. Oh, which remains like probably one of my favourite Adele songs of all time. Me too. Oh, just brilliant. Tobias Jesser Jr., what a genius. I know, that, remember that video? Was it a live video that came out with the single or, or just before the single of her singing it in that sort of Yeah, movie? just in the in the studio. Oh, that and is I one think of the great actually, live moments Actually, if you time. look at that footage, she she must have been doing a few things in that building that day because um, Tracy Grimshaw also got to watch an Adele performance in that same studio from over the banisters. <laughs> I think it was Tracy Grimshaw. <laughs> Probably. Congratulations, Tracy. One of the great <laughs> moments of her run on a current One affair. One of the great moments. But God, what a song. Yeah. Two top three Tracy Grimshaw moments would be <laughs> the time she skewered the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Yeah. Um, the time she got to see Adele perform and Over the Bannister, yeah. Over the Bannister. And the time she fell off the horse. In my top three Tracy Grimshaw moments. Very good, Casey Musgraves. All that out of my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, she she was a big horse fan. Um, okay, let's do this song up. So yeah, Adele. That Adele song is yeah ultimate for me. Rainbow is just the most beautiful way to wrap this record in a in a soft, gentle ribbon. Um, but I don't know. There's something about the 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 sort of yearning of when we were young that just cuts like a knife for me. So I'll go Adele. Yeah. Both songs are so beautiful in such different ways. Rainbow is such an optimistic way of looking ahead to the future with bright horizons, whereas whereas when we were young kind of looks to the past with this kind of, "Mm, did we get it wrong vibe? So very different. But uh, Rainbow is such a good way to finish this album. And I just think one of the most simply written ballads of the last like 20 years that just cuts through with a kind of like, I don't I can't even think what I'm trying to go for, but like a, an Olivia Newton, John, like, um, I honestly love you kind of simplicity. Um, I do see that. Whereas Adele's when we were young is just a, an absolute force of nature. And I think if it's not my favorite song by her, it's in the top three, definitely. Yeah. 
I have to go Adele on this one, but they're both yes. so strong. <laughs> I knew you would. I'm glad you did. The next one is Slow Burn, the opener of this album. Versus Cardigan by Taylor Swift off Folklore. Slow Burn, the song we were singing to each other for about 10 minutes before we started recording this episode. It's a shame you don't get to hear that. Maybe you will. Um, This is Cardigan. Huffy. I'm on record as saying Folklore Evermore, not my favourite era of Taylor. Yeah. But Cardigan's great. Like, yeah. Cardigan's very, very strong and was the obvious single. Um, but Slow Burn is that song. It's just yeah. that song. And it's Slow Burns and the... I mean, the line Slow burning like about. you are right now. Speaking of that, Shut up, mate. Edit me down. <laughs> Edit me. <laughs> the, I mean, the lyrics we just talked about, like the way that it opens is just so magic. And I is very rare that music makes me feel a physiological change. But there is something yeah. in that song that softens me so beautifully if I focus on it minutes yeah it's you know? so true me too yeah yeah so i'm gonna go slow burn okay um oh yeah they're both so good cardigan both of the songs kind of waltz along with this really delicate um patient beauty but i think slow burn just does something a little extra like you described yeah. It just places you right in that moment. And I don't think there's an album opener that can have such a stranglehold on you as this song does. Because it just yeah. brings you into the golden hour vibe immediately. And you're not going to leave after that first song. You're going to stick around. Um, yeah. So I've got to go slow burn on this one. Yeah. I'm glad. The next one. I'm glad we're in grants at this stage. Yeah, we're like doing this well. This divide us. Halfway point, Space Cowboy. You can have your space, cowboy. Versus When the Party's I Over by Billie Eilish. Off When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Like so, again, When the Party's Over, probably the best ballad on When We Fall Asleep. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Easily. I think that would be the common consensus thought as well. You sound um, like you're falling asleep, so you can answer that question about... Can you going. get off me providing <laughs> light and shade? It's called light and shade in my voice. You know? I'm going straight for shade. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. I can feel it. What are you going first, then? You're all talk, no action. What are you going first? Oh, okay. Um, well, When the Party's Over is the song that really turned me on Billie Eilish. I actually was very late to the party. Um, she was not there anymore. And... <laughs> um, but I just think it's like... it's It just describes so well what Billie does with a ballad. Like, mm. she just has this, like, gentle nature to her that's, that's so heartbreaking. Feels like a... a china glass about to break basically um and space cowboy i guess in the same way has 
that same certain calmness to it. But I just think the chorus of Space Cowboy just soars a little bit more and has this real understanding and maturity for the situation that she's in and this, like, parting ways of of a relationship of sorts that I don't think Billy could ever bring to her music that early on in her career. So I've got to go with Space Cowboy on this one. But here's the thing. I mean, we're talking about artists who are, you know, essentially 15 years apart in age and maturity. Yeah. You know, do, are we going to... that's not are we Casey's gonna pull... fault. No, it's not Billy's fault either. It's no one's fault, you know. I don't look for fault in these situations. But do we discredit the quality of when the party's over? Yes. <laughs> Still not age. Cool, got it. Understanding it. Um, I'm going to buck the trend and back the child and go with Billy on this one because I don't think that that chorus buck needs trend, to soar. Back the child. So beautiful. Back the it's child. the modern day, I believe, the children are our future. <laughs> it's Billy for me. I knew that one would tear us apart. <laughs> All right. Final one. High horse. The little disco bop from the record versus uh-huh. Lose Yourself to Dance by Daft Punk featuring Pharrell off Random Access Memories, one of the worst aging records of our time. Not, none of it sounds good still, except for maybe um, the one that Zara Larson sampled from Julian Casablancas. Um, oh, yeah, I love that one. That one's really Yeah, good. That's, that's still good. Yeah. Um, this is actually kind of tough because I think there's a subtle brilliance to Daft, to the Daft Punk song because it's yeah. essentially the same. It's essentially the same like <laughs> eight bars the whole fucking song, just on yeah. loop and just almost sort of the same eight bars as Get Lucky. <laughs> exactly, and that was the beauty of that of that record. Almost was just the sort of simple, you know, authentic instrumentation just looped in the way that it needed to be and and not overcooked. Um, but I mean, High Horse is one of country pop's greatest moments ever. So that's yeah. an easy one for me. It's going to be, I'm, I'm on my high horse and it's going to be Casey. I'd heard, I'd read Casey talking about the record Golden Hour before it was out and before we'd heard High Horse and she'd name dropped BGs and we'd only heard like Space Cowboy and Butterflies. So I was wondering where that was going to come in because I wasn't hearing it. And then I heard High Horse and my jaw was kind of on the floor. Like, I'd never heard a cross-section just so perfect and so unexpected as High Horse is. And then I think I just rinsed it to death over the, like, following year. Um, Lose Yourself to Dance, I like, but, like, that, that record just does nothing for me now. So, easy one, High Horse for me. Yeah, if there, and if there is one thing about High Horse, it's potentially not as classic as it's probably the least classic song on the album, but that's fine, and that's yeah. good. Yeah, classic can be boring. <laughs> Keep it new, please. <laughs> well, let's talk Love about that. the um. Let's talk about the the feel of what she went through post this album. So it's all written essentially about her marriage to her husband at the time, Rustin Kelly. They broke up in 2020 and she pretty much decided that she fucking hates the album 
all of a sudden. Yeah. She's had to kind of literally you know, said, rebuild her love for it. Okay, Golden Hour is trash. I'm not ever singing it again. Excellent words. She's since changed her mind on that. She's changed her yeah, mind. Good. But I do think in this record, there's a sense, as beautiful as it is, and as much as it captures a very happy, tranquil moment, there's this impending doom that hangs over the whole record at like quite a high. Like it's not in the near future, but she sees it in the distance and it, and it's, it's expressed so perfectly on um, happy, but sad where she's like, Mm. is there a way for the way that, is there a word for the way that I'm feeling right now? Happy and sad at the same time. Like it's, it is this feeling when things are so good, you wonder what's going to change because things don't stay like that forever. Even if you stay in a relationship for your whole life, it's never going to be, smooth sailing the whole time you know and she was so aware of that and obviously for her it crumbled and the golden hour faded to black i think as she says on stargross so yeah. i i do like that that there is this kind of um naive optimism to the whole record but there is also this feeling and i get that all the time i know when i first heard this this album i was living in um in Sydney with Bianca and we were in this little apartment that was such a fun apartment and you came into our lives Stupid with, with L as well and we just had this like incredible year that was very chaotic but you know like everything was perfect and I was really happy there and we decided to uproot and come here but when that year was going on I always had this sense that something was going to go wrong eventually and it, and it did yeah. actually but but things have turned a corner again. But you know, like it's, yeah, I think that's why I just connected to this album so much because this album came out in that year that things were so, so calm and so perfect. It's so beautiful. Um, No, I I really, really love that note. And yeah, it was very much, you know, my life very fundamentally changed sort of at the end of the year that this... um, that this record came out as well and it's sort of it, it's a fork in the road musically and it's also a fork in the road you know yeah. life-wise and you're right it's almost if you look back there are a few records that sort of preempted the pandemic almost and the downturn yeah. of the universe that had that feeling of pure euphoria and joy but an, a, an acknowledgement that we can't live like this forever and I mean, we talked about it. This like is the this. third record we've talked about with that vibe on this season. Norman yeah. fucking Rockwell, A Brief yep. Inquiry into Relationships, and now Golden mm-hmm. Hour, all released around 2017, 18, 19. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. And I really, I find it very, very interesting um, as well that um, Fifth Harmony put out work from home a couple of years prior <laughs> to the pandemic. <laughs> They, <laughs> that was really they predicted it. You know how everyone's yeah. always like, ah, oh, the Simpsons predicted this. No, <laughs> Fifth Harmony is and again, where you need to look for for predictions. They, they bottled up un- unadulterated joy. I think I don't think that's the word. They bottled up such such um, joy in the words, I ain't worried about nothing. I ain't worried about nada. Like, yeah, they weren't worried. So they true. were unbothered. They were unbothered. Unbothered. Everything was While fine. working from home in the midst of a <laughs> pandemic. 
Unbothered. One of Ricky Lee's best songs, Unbothered. Anyway, we've done it again. All right, well, we're off track again after that. But I think going back to that point, I think it's good to appreciate music that captures that time and just appreciates it for what it is. And I mean, obviously she addresses the kind of dark storm cloud hovering on just a few of the songs. But other than that, she's kind of, she's kind of appreciating the beauty of the very simple parts of the universe, like the golden hour, which is something yeah. we can be sure of seeing at least a few times a year. Um, yep. If you're with Bianca and L, you will see it every day of the year. Daily. <laughs> every single the day. The selfie mode will be out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's so funny around that time, you know, I, I wasn't really one for sentiments and, and sentimental shit oh, like no, that. Oh, no, me neither. And yet I still have a real appreciation for it and for seeing the beauty in the smaller things in life and finding the joy in every moment humanly possible. And I think I actually, yeah. not to get, we're getting very personal and I kind of love it. Um, but like your, your wedding, I think it was, it was something I said in my sort of opening remarks emceeing was that you, you guys really, you know, helped me see the, the true pure joy in the smallest of things and in the silliest of moments. And like a bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll always say joy in a bottle of Prosecco. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really nice that this album kind of matched that moment. And yeah. yeah, I think the more and more I think about it, the more sentimental it actually probably is. Um, well, should we whip ourselves out of that and play a game instead? Of- yes! Let's get out of it. Flop stars. Straight into my game. Basically, I feel like Casey is one of the most enigmatic artists that we have. Obviously, we know a lot about her divorce and her personal life, but I guess because we don't, as Australians, we don't really know much about that kind of um, Texan lifestyle. She seems like a Mm. bit of an enigma to me. So I thought that I'd just go through a few facts about her and I want you to tell me if it's true or false. Okay. Okay. This is interesting because I feel like she really circumvents the Texan stereotype quite a lot. So yeah. my opinions on her are going to be jumbled. Read these facts. <laughs> so hit me. Was she born eight weeks before her due date? Ooh, eight weeks. Was she preemie? Um, she's quite tall, isn't she? I mean, I've met her. I should know this. Um, oh, no, she was short. Yeah, she's like a foot <laughs> shorter than me. Um, I reckon she's, I reckon she was premature. Yep. I reckon she was born early. You're correct. She was born early, but it was a month to six weeks before her due date. Oh, you can't be getting down the nitty gritty of weeks here. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Come to. Okay. True or false. If you've read the notes, you'll know this. Golden Hour was recorded in a studio above Cheryl Crow's barn. Cheryl Crow has a barn. Yeah. Cheryl Crow would have a barn. That makes total sense, doesn't it? Um, I'm going to go... That that sounds appropriate. Yeah, that sounds appropriate. And all these country people know each other and they're all super hospitable. So, yeah. It, part, I reckon it was at least partially recorded in that barn. You are correct. It was partially yes. recorded in that barn. The right. next one is... Shania Twain declined an invitation 
to sing on Starcrossed. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, I reckon she. Sh I reckon she denied it. Yeah. That is false. She was never asked. Oh, she made that up. <laughs> you never know, though. She could have been asked. She could have. She could have. Um, Casey Musgraves is from Golden, Texas. Golden, as in like there's there's a little city called. The suburb Golden. is Golden. The state ah. is Texas. And then she's called the record Golden Hour. Maybe. Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to go yes. You're correct. Yes. It's true. It's true. Golden. Hopefully on the sign as you drive into Golden. Home of Casey Musgraves. That would be great if they did that. That'd be fun. Okay, the next one is Casey Musgraves and I have the same star sign. Hmm. Were you born again? Hmm. I was born on the 9th of April and I'm an Aries. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, she's yeah, she's giving me Aries. Didn't she put her star sign on the cover art of Starcrossed? Memory? Uh I don't know actually. It's something astrological. It might just be a star at the end of the day. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to say she's the same star sign as you. She gives me April energy. That is false. She Fuck. is a Leo, so you're very close. Oh, yeah, she also gives me Leo energy. Don't worry about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew I was close. Uh, she has a three-legged dog. Ooh. I like she doesn't have the time to look after a three-legged dog. Oh, but she might have got it one of those wheel things. You know, some dogs that can't, that don't have working legs, get these wheels instead. I know a dog, <laughs> and it's got two working legs at the front, and it scuffles forward. It's a yes. You think yes? You can't Google yes. that. No, I was tapping away something else. Okay, all right. Yes, um, it is. Correct. She does have yes. a three-legged dog. A three-legged Jack Russell named Pearl. Oh, that's really nice. Um. Okay, the next one. Harry Styles has sung the words to her. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. What's that song from? What's that lyric from? Um, I can't tell you that. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he has. I remember there was some sort of Harry and Casey sort of shenanigans going on for a little while there. You're correct. Casey opened for Harry Styles' tour, and they duetted together. Still the one by Shania Twain. That's right. I told you they were shenanigans. I could have. I didn't know they were support-based shenanigans, but they were shenanigans nonetheless. And the final one, Casey Musgraves is alive. <laughs> this one is. There may be past imitations that have carked it, but this at this stage, at time of recording, alive. True. Well, we've predicted it again because Casey Musgraves, as of 42 minutes ago, is dead. 
No. <laughs> oh my god, my heart just sank. The look on my your heart. face. I know. You, I knew you. Were, there was like a half second where I was like, "Wait, legit? Like, is this how you're revealing this, to, this information to me?" Holy shit! Do you shit, think I just go ahead with this episode with a smile yes. on my face? Yes. <laughs> you know when it's a rumor went around thing. that Kelly Rowland had died and she was on a plane, so she hadn't seen it because her phone oh was on flight God. mode, obviously. And her parents were checking in with her, but she wasn't answering because she was on the oh flight. Oh my God! This is why they need Wi-Fi on every flight because <laughs> this shit Casey happens. Casey Musgraves is well and truly alive and very what alive on Golden Hour. Which you are now going to give me your oh! top song and your bottom song. And a score okay. out of 10. Oh, these are really hard. Because they're not really a song that I don't like on this album. I suppose well, if I had to point. choose you one... You always get crabby at me for this segment for fencing yeah. and not choosing one. Okay. I'm going to go one favorite song which would be slow burn yeah least favorite song just based on balladry would be mother they sonically really yes don't question me but it's it's not like i don't like the song it's nice yeah it's nice but i don't need nice i need brilliant See, I demand perfection. <laughs> okay, Simon Cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and out of ten, it's an easy nine and a half for me. I mean, there nine is barely a, a thing wrong with wow. that. It's got to be one of my favourite albums we've done ever. Um, yeah, really, it's such a joy to go back on. Yep. Yeah. Did you enjoy going back and listening to it? I did. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thanks for elaborating. Yeah. Happy to. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with yours. <laughs> All right. Um, my favourites are... My favourite is... Sorry. Oh, this is so hard. Yep. I love Slow Burn. I love Space Cowboy. I love Happy and Sad. I love High Horse. I love Rainbow, Velvet Elvis. I think my favourite is Happy and Sad. I think. Wow. Did you just tell me to shorten it? Yes, I was helping you condense. <laughs> List. Like, using my hands. Um, um, okay. Well, you know what? The notes that I took, I take down notes for all the songs before we do the show. Happy and yeah. sad, I only wrote two words. What? I wrote Happy and sad. More, more <laughs> Lana is what I wrote. Because it gave me More a big Lana. Lana vibe. It gave me a big Lana vibe. It's probably the most oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. It adds up for you. It's on brand. Lana would never write happy and sad, though. Hers would still it'd just be sad and sad. still sad. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, my least favourite song, I actually think, is the title track, Golden Hour. Really? Yeah. I yeah, mean, I don't uh, love it. as you said, there's no least favourite for me here, but that's probably it. And my score out of 10, I would also give it a 9.5 out of 10. So we're <sighs> in agreeance for the first time this season. I love this. This is good from us. What a beautiful, beautiful album to go back on with some beautiful moments in it. Um, I reckon we'll, we'll, we've definitely got to do the second Casey record. Not the second Casey record. 
um, the, the Starcrossed at some point. Um, yeah. Because I think yeah, we absolutely do. I feel like about... that's the real flop star here. I mean, this is a Grammy album yeah. of the year winner that's almost universally adored by critics and fans alike. But you know, we like to ignore that kind of stuff. Well, and the chart, I mean, the chart thing peaked at number three in the US, first top 10 record in Australia, but it was still, you know, not number one. Um, highest charting single, 98 for Rainbow. So, yeah. technically, flop. I mean, but yeah, technically, a flop. still. Yeah, but we still love I mean, Casey doesn't scream chart hits to to me. No. She hopped on a Zed song. Whispers it. Yeah. Well, which, you know, that would be perfect. I mean, Mara Morris tea. I wonder if she was invited to record um, The Middle. No doubt it. I wouldn't be. Nah, I don't know. Potentially. I mean, every single man and their dog did. Wouldn't be I mean, If Anne Marie was invited. Gave it a go. Probably. It didn't exist at that point. But was was definitely didn't invited. exist. I mean, she was alive. Just, just a twinkle star. in her mother's eye. <laughs> twinkle and twinkle, little star. All right, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, share it with a mate if you like it, and check out the pop in as well. We're nearing the end of season six of Flop Stars, and we want you to get involved as we get ready to in the next few weeks count down some of the biggest moments and songs and albums of the year. We want your best and worst songs. Send us a voice message or just a normal message if you don't like talking um, at Flop Stars Podcast, and we'll read them out on the final episodes, uh, which will come towards the end of the year. Very exciting scenes. Can I just scenes. ask before um, I turn up for yeah. these episodes, is yeah, yeah. Nikki your sunroof going to be mentioned ba, in ba, da, da, ba, da, no, da. Oh my God. It's all you need to know. See you next D- time. It, no, ba, we're not, ba, ending, ba, da, we're not da, ending this before you give me an answer because I'm not sure, I'm not tainting my reputation like that. Yeah, I'm driving down the freeway <laughs> right, tonight. I'm going. I'm going. I've only got one thing in the back of my mind. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs>